today with Joe Nash on Live 95. There is a range of issues facing businesses this year, but one of the more pressing ones is the lack of skilled workers. 85% of businesses have admitted it's a problem in a survey conducted by CIPD Ireland and the Kemi Business School at University of Limerick. So what does it mean for businesses and what does it mean for you or me or anyone else who might be looking for work? Mary Connaughton is from CIPD, the company who specialise in HR, and she joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Gillian. Oh, and we appear to have lost one second now. There we go. Mary, you're still with me, are you? Yes, I can hear oh, yeah, you, Gillian. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, now we have Miriam Magner Flynn on the other line. Are you there, Mary, Miriam? I am, Gillian. Good morning okay, to you. Wonderful, wonderful. So, Miriam Magner Flynn is from Career Decisions, and we'll chat to you in a second. But first of all, Mary, if you can explain to me, first of all, what types of businesses are suffering and finding it difficult to get staff? Well, when we come up with a figure of 85% facing skill shortages, that means it's really right across the board. It's not just restricted to one particular sector. When we drilled down, we found that the type of roles were around operations and frontline staff. Um, It included customer service, IT, even leadership skills, analytic skills. So it's quite broad in terms of um, the the, the difficulties that companies are having to, to find skills. And we know that part of that is due to expanding headcount. So in reality, we have a growing labour market. So the demand for new skills is is growing as companies expand. (laughs) And and what do you think, Mary, has caused this shortage? Is it simply a problem created by the pandemic? Um, Not not specifically. In fact, when we did a comparison of the um, skill shortage rates between now 2022 back to um, early 2020 pre-pandemic, we found um, that they've increased quite a bit, but the level of employee turnover hasn't changed. So really, it's to do with people moving into different jobs because over the pandemic, they have decided to review their career, review what they're looking for from work and are prepared to go back to study or um, take up a new job. We have some people who have moved out of the labour force. But overall, we have an expanding labour force. For the first time ever, our labour force went over two and a half million. So one of the challenges for employers is going to be how can they um, attract people who may not have been in the labour force and how do we bring in talent from abroad to expand our labour force? It seems strange to me that, you know, that there's a lack of skills when we probably are more trained up and skilled than we've ever been. When you consider like years ago, people, so many people would have left school um, maybe at the age of 15 or 16 and just gone straight into the workforce. Now there are people who years ago might have done a leaving cert are now doing masters and everything else. I mean, there's an awful lot of education and training out there. And yet employers have this complaint. And that's very true. But we also have to look at the level of technology that's being brought into workplaces and into our everyday lives. So being able to manage um, operating in a more tech-wide 
tech-wise environment means companies need people who can develop apps, who can, you know, deliver customer service, who can do analytics, and who can understand AI and how they can automate processes. So the nature of the skills that we need as a country for the future is changing. And many people who, you know, went to college maybe over the past 20 years may not have done this sort of skill. So there is a skills gap there, even for, you know, senior people in organisations in this space. Well, Miriam, you specialise in career transition and career management. What do you make of what Mary was saying there in terms of the types of skills that are out there? I would agree with Mary that I think people's priorities have changed since the pandemic um, and a lot of people are reviewing their careers. Uh, And we've seen it firsthand in in the last uh, um, year. We have worked, just to give you one example, with one large organisation with 1,200 people. Before we started with them, they had an attrition rate that was just gone through the roof, so huge uh, loss of staff and staff turnover they came to us and said, look, what can be done? Because the cost of it in terms of morale, the cost of recruitment was huge. So we rolled out what we call a career development or a career engagement programme. So simply put, what this does is it helps the employees to review their career, but it puts the focus on planning their career within an organisation. Because typically in the past, when people are unhappy, their first reaction is to look over the fence and think that, you know, the, the, the fields are greener outside of the organisation. And a lot of the time they don't realise the opportunities that exist within the organisation or the changes and the tweaks that an organisation might be prepared to make. So in this instance, um, senior management came into each department. They outlined the plans for the next three years. Um, and each person were given the opportunity to go through a career engagement a career development program and to put a career development plan in place that would give them the career satisfaction and there's another very important word it's work-life satisfaction because part of it is career but it's career just doesn't start the minute you go into the the, the door to work uh, and finish and certainly not now because so many people working from home and remotely so you know Gone are the days where people are happy maybe to spend an hour, an hour and a half driving into work and out of work. Um, And if you top that up, you're looking at the maths, uh, 10, maybe 12 hours a week in the car. So people are looking for more flexibility from employers. Employers are now realising they need and they want to give this because, in fact, what they're getting, where organisations are providing this, they're getting a huge boost in morale, a huge boost in productivity, great commitment, and you are seeing that they're not experiencing the same level of turnover with their staff. So just to, in this particular organisation, they put 1,200 people through a career engagement programme. They train their managers on how to have career conversations. So if I come to you, Gillian, and I say, look, this is my plan um, over the next three years, this is what I really enjoy doing, this is what I'm really good at, this is the type of training I want, Um, you need to be able to have the conversation with me. And in some cases, you need to be able to go and re-look and maybe redesign things to to provide me with a little bit more of what I'm looking for. They reviewed the situation 12 months after the programme was completed and they saved over a million euros 
on their their recruitment costs and their cut uh, attrition rates by 79% by putting in a career engagement programme and helping people to plan their future within their own organisation. Miriam, so, yeah, that's great advice for the employers, you know, and obviously it did great things for them and it probably did great things for the employees as well. But what about employees that do want a real change, which may mean a completely different set of skills? If somebody's been in the same position, let's say, for 20 years and wants a change of career, how do you advise them to go about that? Well, the first thing is they would need to stop and do a complete review to go through a career assessment. So we've one which we call career decision maker um, it's a psychometric assessment that assesses the total person. It assesses their values, their interests, their personality and their skills. And it scientifically identifies the careers they're suited to. And they need to have a plan. Now, the time has never been better uh, because there are so many training programmes out there. They're funded in a lot of cases by the government. You have springboard courses. Now, it depends on whether a person is... Um, not currently working or whether they're uh, working uh, whether they're working if they're not working most of the programs are 100% funded by the government and there are a huge array of programs and it's very easy to reskill um for people who are out of work for people who are in work then they're going to have to balance work with making that change so it's probably an at least an 18 month to two year to three year plan you're looking at so that they continue to be able to provide for themselves financially but that they are able to reskill and within 18 months to two years change career and possibly sector mary from what miriam was saying to us there it sounds like there are ways for employers to hold on to their good staff but they they need to approach it in a different way that's right. We know that employers are now putting more attention on retaining their staff and rolling out the type of initiatives that Miriam was talking about. What it is, is the, um, the, they have identified that where employers have really looked after their staff through the pandemic, they have built trust, they have empowered their employees, and they're not facing significant employee turnover rates. We also know from talking to our um, members that what they want is people to come forward and say, look, I've been working in, say, finance for a number of years and I'd now like to actually grow my skill set and maybe move into marketing. And they're happy to have those conversations. So the people are still using their company expertise and investing in themselves and, and changing role. In the past, that would have been a harder conversation to have. But now employers are saying to us, they want people to come forward rather than sort of say, oh, I have to leave. But interesting, we asked in our survey, you know, um, do you measure like employee leaving intentions? Like what would cause you to leave? And as Miriam was saying, 69% said that a reevaluation of what they expect from their working life was the biggest reason why they would consider leaving. So that's very different from the past, where it would have been around um, rewards or career opportunities. So mm-hmm. that sense of reevaluation. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that employers are responding by offering more flexible work. And we're also seeing it among candidates. So candidates are going to interviews and, and are looking, looking for, for yeah. yeah, they're saying they're we, I want to work remotely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, we're run out of time for this morning, but before we go, I just wanted to mention uh, Mary Ma- Miriam Magner Flynn. Uh, your company won an award recently. Is that right? 
That's right, Gillian. Um, my company name is Career Decisions and we were awarded Best Professional Services Company in Ireland by Guaranteed Irish at the award ceremony last week in the Shelburne in Dublin. So obviously we're delighted after 27 years in business to have um, won an accolade, uh, a prestigious accolade like that. Fantastic for uh, a business with uh, such strong Limerick connections. Uh, Miriam, congratulations on that and thanks for joining us this morning and also a thanks to Mary Connaughton from CIPD. Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Joe Nash on Live 95.